All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. So we are in a series right now called The Gospel of Mark, and uh, we are in episode 15, and I posted on uh, Facebook this morning, and I don't know how many of you will get this, but I said, uh, this is not a series filled with uh, uh, dragons or uh, fantasy uh, uh, kingdoms, uh, but this is a series uh, about a real man by the name of Jesus Christ, who is the son of the living God, who did come and walk on this earth. He died on a cross and three days later walked out of the grave victorious so that you and I could be set free. Do you believe that today? And so as we are going through the gospel of Mark, the gospel itself is, means the good news. And so we are walking through this gospel, seeing the life of Jesus, seeing the life of the disciples, and understanding at a fuller sense why uh, we uh, can be saved and be set free. Amen? All right, so today we are in Mark chapter 3, verse 13 through 21, and we are just literally traveling one verse at a time through this. Uh, well, actually, we're doing a few verses a week, and so today we're going to be doing verses 13 through 21, and so, so far we've traveled through Mark. It's been a vi busy travel. It's been a, it's been a difficult time we've seen for Jesus at different periods. Uh, his ministry, as we are in chapter 3, is gaining momentum, and, and he's becoming immensely popular among the po uh, common people. Uh, everywhere Jesus is going, uh, he's met with large crowds of people. We talked about this last week. Uh, all desiring to receive something from him. And then on top of all of this, he is consistently being met with opposition. We see the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, mixing around in the crowd and, and trying to trip him up, trying to, uh, trying to cause uh, conflict in the midst of his ministry. And the busyness and the opposition, folks, it's going to continue throughout the rest of this book. And Jesus is going to stay faithful to the work of the Father and what he has been given to carry out. So the passage we're looking at today reveals a glimpse into one of the few occasions when Jesus pulls aside, all right, kind of steps out of the path for a few moments with his disciples, and he takes some time of fellowship and instruction. And so that's where we're going to look at today. And so while many followed Jesus, there were 12 guys who were chosen. They were set apart for the work of his ministry. And what this account should bring is it should bring hope to every single one of us today. Because as we look at these 12 guys, as we see who these 12 guys, it's a reminder to us that Jesus doesn't call you on your ability. He calls you based on your availability. He doesn't call you because of your skill set. He calls you out of obedience and then gives you what you need to do what he's called you to do. Do you believe that today? Amen? 
And so, these men, they were all different, okay? They came from different backgrounds, with different personalities, and yet they were all chosen to serve the Lord in a unique and special way. Now, for the most part, these guys were average. They were just ordinary guys, okay? In fact, their resumes uh, would not have landed them any kind of lucrative or influential positions uh, among society then or today, okay? These are not resumes uh, that Fortune 500 uh, businesses are looking for, okay? Aren't you happy about that? They came from different backgrounds with different personalities. Their resume were they were not they were not at the top of their classes. They were not they were not the head of the game. They were just ordinary fishermen, tax collectors, all kinds of men equipped and called not on their own but by Jesus Christ. They were given what they needed from him. He did not call them because of what they had. So let's take a few moments to consider the realities within this text this morning. And let's start by looking at verse 13, and let's go through verse 21. And so I'm going to open up with a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive right into this, all right? God, we love you so much. And Lord, I'm thankful to be in your house today. I'm thankful to be able to sit here and to hear from you what it is that you have for us. Lord, I pray right now that my words wouldn't be spoken. Lord, I pray that your words and your words alone would be spoken here today. And Lord, I pray whatever distractions we have, whatever things that are pulling us in different directions today, Lord, that we would set them down for a few moments and just listen to you. Hear what you have to speak to us. I pray this in your most precious name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. So let's begin by talking about the persuasion and the calling, all right? As we start in verse 13, at the first part of verse 13, it says, Jesus went into the mountain and called those he had chosen to follow him. Now, we have looked at the call of several already to follow him. And these men were busy living life. And the Lord came into their lives and extended the call to come and follow him. Now, we absolutely have no record of any of these men seeking this position for themselves. In other words, the 12 disciples that Jesus called to follow him, none of them submitted resumes ahead of time. None of them were tracking him down. There's nowhere in Scripture do we see where they were hunting for him, trying to get him, going, hey, pick me. Pick me to be one of your 12. None of them were doing that. There's no record of that anywhere in Scripture. In his sovereign wisdom... Jesus selected each one of these men. These were men chosen and called of the Lord. 
Now, the Gospel of Luke reveals uh, that our Lord spent uh, the night in prayer with the Father before ordaining these men, before calling them. In Luke chapter 12, he spent time in prayer before he called the 12. And you cannot ignore the sovereignty involved in the calling of the 12. Jesus continues today, and the reason I want to point this out is because Jesus continues today to call whom he will into various aspects of ministry. He chooses based on his divine wisdom, not the desires or the dictates of men. Now, the reason I want to bring that up also is because when I look at my own life as a pastor, i got to be honest with you. I did not plan to go into ministry. I've told you the story before. It's kind of, I don't want to fall. I don't work a position. I do not see the ministry that I do here at Lifebrook Church or what I have done for the last 27 years as a job. I see this as a calling. It was a calling from the Lord. And to be honest with you, and I've told you this before, I argued with them a little bit about the calling because I had different plans. I had my own plans. Any of you ever feel like that? You ever have your own plans and somebody comes in and changes them and you don't want them to be changed, but you know they're the right thing to do? Anybody here? You guys are kind of quiet today. Is everybody awake? I mean, is it, is it okay? Speak, to, speak back to me a little bit. Be a little loud, okay? I need all the babies to come and sit on the front row because I know they'll speak to me, all right? There's a little teeny one up here right now. I'm ADD, by the way, and I just noticed that. She's beautiful, isn't she? Aspen? Yeah, Jamie's going, okay, get back to the message. She's asleep. And hopefully you won't wake her up. You see, he doesn't see people for their ability. He sees them for what he is calling them to. And he chooses based on his divine wisdom, not the desires of our hearts. He sees what people fail to see. Often he chooses those whom the world rejects. He chooses those who lack ability and equipped to carry out his purposes. In other words, he doesn't, he doesn't choose them because of their abilities. He chooses them and then gives them the ability to do what he has chosen them to do. And I'm thankful today as I stand up before you that he allowed me to have a small part in the kingdom work. When most would have overlooked me, Jesus offered a place of service. And I want you to know that that service is for you also today. And so we go on in this passage of Scripture, verse 13. Go on to the rest and put the verse 13 up there again. All right? And it says, Jesus went up to the mountain, and he summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. When Jesus called, the twelve obediently responded to his call. They willingly submitted their lives to Jesus. I'm not going to say that they understood the enormity of all that was going on in this, but they submitted to the Lord. They were not spiritually mature at that moment or ready to lead multitudes, but they agreed to follow the Lord and to submit to his, to his will in their lives. And this was just the beginning 
of an incredible journey. And I want to say this to you guys today. I want you to know that if Jesus is calling you, if he is dealing with you about a specific area of service, be obedient. Accept the call that he has placed in your life. He never makes a mistake. I make mistakes all the time. How about you? Anybody else here? Amen? Yeah. Jesus never makes mistakes. Your arguments and concerns are unnecessary and they're not beneficial. He knows you and me better than we know ourselves. And he knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our limitations. He knows exactly what we are capable of going through by his leading. If he is calling, you will never find peace apart from obedience to his desire in your life. And I want you to know that today. I had a college professor, and I've told you this before, and I'll tell you again. He told me in class one day, he said, Steve, if you can do anything else, and be happy, do it. If you can do anything else other than be a pastor, do it. And I got to be honest, I tried. I did. I tried to get out of the ministry. I tried to get off of, off of the train. I tried to, to get away from it. And I could not do anything other than what I am doing today. And being happy. I love being a pastor. I love working with people. I love being a part of your lives. Sometimes you don't like me to be a part of your lives. Okay? But I love to be a part of your lives. I love to be a part of the kingdom plan. I love sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not always easy. But I could not ever do anything else and be happy. If he is calling you to an area, you will never find peace apart from that calling, apart from your obedience to that calling. And so that leads me to the next two verses, verses 14 and 15, and let's just talk about the call for a couple minutes today. So Mark revealed the purpose of this call for the twelve. What he wanted them to do. In verse 14, first part of verse 14, it says, He appointed the twelve whom he also named apostles to be with him. All right? Jesus knew he would not be with these men for a long time, okay? He would give his life on the cross for our sins. He would go back to the Father, and there was much that he needed to teach them in the short amount of time that he was going to have with them. Jesus needed these men with him in order to instruct and prepare them for the work that was ahead of them. It is urgent. Listen, folks, and I want to I reiterate to this here today, to us today. It is urgent that we spend time with our Heavenly Father. It is urgent. I don't care how busy your life is. I don't, know how, I don't care how many things you've got going on in your life. If Christ is not the primary priority in your life, if spending time with Him is not the priority of your life, if you are not giving Him the time that He deserves, I guarantee you nothing else in your life will have any peace. Can you say amen to that today? Because it's the truth, folks. 
If we don't go into life, if we don't face life, if we don't live life with him at the center of our life, it will not be a life. Everything that will go wrong, can go wrong, should, it will go wrong in your life if Christ is not the center. Now, you're going to face trials. Let me just tell you, that's, we know that. But I would, man... I would hate to face the trials that I have faced in my past without Christ today. Do you hear me on that? You see, it is urgent. It is urgent that we spend time with our Lord and Savior in close fellowship with him to receive the wisdom and the instruction that we need to be effective in the work that he has given us in verse 14 it goes on it says he appointed the 12 whom he also named apostles to be with him to send them out to preach you see, these men were called and they were instructed and entrusted with an essential responsibility, preaching the gospel to those who had not yet become believers in Jesus Christ, who had not yet experienced salvation. This would be their primary responsibility. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14 here, he is telling them exactly what their primary responsibility is going to be. They were called to proclaim the good news, to proclaim the gospel of, the, of Jesus Christ, the good news. They were called to not just preach as pastors, to be believers. They were called to proclaim the gospel. And that is our responsibility in serving Jesus Christ also. We are not just called to be called Christians. We are not just called to be good. We're not just called to read our Bibles every day and come to church once or twice a week. We are called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world that we have been given to proclaim it. And if we do not do that, we miss out on the primary calling in each of our lives. Do you agree with that today? Because it's the truth. And we need to proclaim the gospel in its fullest understanding. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this, and I've told you this, and I'll keep telling you this until you can say it in your sleep, until you can say it without thinking about it. When you talk to someone and you share Jesus Christ with them and you share the good news with them, you're going to share this with them. You're going to tell them that the kingdom of God has come through a man named Jesus Christ, who is also the son of the living God. He is Christ. He is the king. He is God's one and only son. And he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried in a tomb. And three days later, he was resurrected according to the scriptures. And in his great love, and by his amazing grace, God our Father saves every single person who repents of their sin, believes the gospel, and follows Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus returns someday, 
On that last day, the final judgment day, everyone who follows him will enter into the kingdom of God. Do we proclaim that today? Do you believe that? That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as he spoke to these disciples and he called them, he's, he, he challenged them, this is what you're going to do. And then verse 15 says, and to have authority to drive out demons. That's what it says. And to have authority to drive out demons. These men received power as they ministered. The Lord enabled them to heal infirmities and to cast out demons. This was not done to elevate these men in the eyes of others, but it was to confirm the power of Christ and convince believers of the gospel. Do we believe that healing still takes place today? Do we believe that demons can be driven out? Folks, you, I, I'm not believing you right now. Do we believe in healing today? Do we believe in the power of driving the enemy out? Do we believe Christ is Lord? This is not because of us. This is because Jesus Christ is living in us. Their lives were to bear witness to the power and the grace of Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. Our lives should bear witness. He believes in us and has called us. We are expected to live our lives in such a way as though Christ were living our lives for us, to bring glory to his name and to reveal his power. We've got to live in such a way as that, as that others would desire to want what we have. Man, Sometimes I wonder. You know, I missed, I, I, I'm always confessing to you guys, you know. Sometimes I feel like all I ever do is confess. Man, I'm going to tell you what. As I was praying this morning, I, I blew it last night. I mean, I blew it in a major way last night. So our daughter graduated yesterday. Woohoo! You know? Crazy. Awesome. We stand, stood around afterwards celebrating, taking pictures. <laughs> Left the school, decided we were going to go celebrate at one of my favorite places, let alone my daughter's. <laughs> We're kind of together on that. Cold Stone Creamery. That's good ice cream. But what's even better is my mother-in-law was in town and she paid for it all. <laughs> is she in here right now? No, she's not. Good. We had a great time. Sat around eating ice cream, enjoying our fellowship, enjoying, you know, celebrating our daughter's graduation. And getting ready to leave, and I'm not going to tell the full story because it's not worth telling. But as we were leaving, there was someone who was definitely not a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm really going to condense this heavily, but we happened to be blocking the way for him to get out the door. And uh, 
And, uh, well, in not so many polite ways, he let us know that. And he said a few inappropriate words to my son and a few inappropriate words toward my direction and our whole group. And I blew it. Now, don't get me wrong, I didn't put up my dukes or anything like that, although he kind of put his dukes up. But I had an opportunity to share Jesus with him, and instead, I got annoyed by him. And I said, you know what? Just go get in your car and leave. And I did it with a sarcastic smile, you know, you ever do that, you know? Just go get in your car and leave before I smack you in the face. No, I didn't say that out loud. But we shared a few words, and your pastor was not, I didn't do anything, I wasn't, I didn't speak inappropriate or anything, but I also got caught up in the sin of wanting to have the last word. And I did my best to get the last word. The problem is the last word wasn't Jesus loves you. You see, our calling in life is not justice. Our calling in life is not for things to be fair and to bring about fairness. Our calling in life is to love people the way that Jesus loves us and to live in such a way that people would see Jesus in our lives. And I understand very much today, looking back on last night, the reality that our humanness makes it difficult a lot of times. And if we are not in direct communication 24-7, if we're not, I consider myself to be walking pretty well connected with the Lord. I consider myself to be pretty solid in my walk. I consider myself to be someone who spends a good quality amount of time listening and spending time with the Lord. And last night, even in all of that, last night I failed. Today I can either live defeated or I can seek repentance and get back to what we have been called to do. Folks, these men, they were called. They were called through the power of Jesus Christ, with the authority of the Holy Spirit, with the work of the Father in them to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is what you and I are called to today also. And we've got to accept it and live it. In verses 16 through 19, I'm going to get back on track. I'll 
let my ADD set aside for a few more minutes. He begins to call the 12, and Mark records the name of the 12 called of Jesus. And I want us just to list, let's just consider what we know about these guys for just a couple seconds. These 12 guys, first he called Simon. Jesus changed his name to Peter later. And Peter was the leader of the group. He was a fisherman with a family. He was outspoken and opinionated. Uh, uh, fortunately for me, uh, what happened to me last night outside of Cold Scone Creamery and, and my little feistiness, I, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling pretty confident that Peter might have been a little bit similar to me in a little bit. Um, he was outspoken. He was opinionated. He failed the Lord in a very public manner. But he humbled himself, and he was restored, and he was used of the Lord in a mighty way in the early church. He truly did become part of the rock that the church was built upon. There was another man by the name of James that Jesus called, and he was a fisherman. He was a member of the Lord's inner circle, James, Peter, and John. And they were kind of singled out at different times for, uh, for specific ministries. Three times specifically, uh, when the daughter of Jairus was raised from the dead, when Jesus was transfigured, and then when Jesus went a little farther into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, uh, they were called in. James was a great leader in the early church, serving as its first pastor. He was the first of the apostles, actually, uh, to be put to death for his faith in the Lord. Then we have John. He was the third of the inner circle. He was the brother of James. He was also uh, one of Jesus' closest. He was known as the beloved disciple. And he was a mighty influence in the early church, writing five books of the New Testament. John was the only apostle not put to death for his faith. But man, did he suffer. He was persecuted. He was boiled in oil. And he was imprisoned and banished and lived the final uh, days of his life on the island of Patmos where he received the revelation and wrote the book of Revelations. Andrew was the brother of Peter. He had been a fisherman before he came to Christ and every time he appears in the gospel record, he's bringing someone to Jesus. Andrew was a powerful witness for the Lord who saved him. Philip, we don't know a whole lot about Philip, Jesus called him in John 1 43. Immediately, Philip goes to tell Nathaniel, Nathaniel or Bartholomew about Jesus. So we do know that Philip was evangelistic. The moment he heard about Jesus, he wanted to share it with somebody else. Bartholomew, Bartholomew we know very little about him. Uh, the same, uh, the, there is some that assume, as I said, Nathaniel and Bartholomew, that's not absolute, but it, some scholars just think that Nathaniel and Bartholomew are the same. Matthew was a Jew named, uh, Jew named Levi. He had been a tax collector for Rome. He was a controversial choice, to be quite honest, man. Uh, I'm sure that some of the other disciples, when Jesus chose Matthew, they were like, are you sure? Really? Because he was despised by a lot of people. He had to have been. He was a tax collector. Mark 22, verse 14. But the Lord called him and saved him and changed his life. Matthew would go on to write the gospel by his name. Thomas is sometimes condemned as a doubter. He was 
To, he, he, we, 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 know, we do know that he was loyal to Jesus, to the point, even to the point of willing to die for him. In John 11, verse 16, he was the only disciple not cowering in fear in the upper room on the day Jesus rose from the dead. He was a doubter of the unseen, but he was willing to accept the truth when it was revealed to him. He was like, let me stick, let, come here, let me stick my fingers in the holes in your wrist, man. You're Jesus, let me see that. Let me see. James, the son of Alphaeus, nothing is known about this man. We don't know his mother. Well, all we do know is that his mother was at the cross. That's the only thing we know about James, the son of Alphaeus, okay? Thaddeus, there's nothing revealed about Thaddeus in Scripture other than he's a disciple. So I'm not exactly sure why there's not more information on him, but uh, there's just nothing else in the Scripture. Simon the Canaanite, the word Canaanite uh, translated is a word that means zealous. So Simon, Simon we know is very zealous, okay? Simon was a revolutionary. He was a, uh, a Jew sworn to overthrow the Roman government. He was probably idealistic, proud, radical, outspoken, fiery, and fearless. Man, if we had more Simons. And then finally, you've got Judas. Judas Iscariot, Judas was the only disciple to come from Judea. He was the treasurer of the group. But the scripture also says he was a thief and a miser. And he would eventually betray Jesus in the hands of the Jews for 30 pieces of silver. Those are the 12. Those are the 12 that Jesus called. No doubt this was a time of great excitement and anticipation for the 12, but their moment of peace, serenity, these 12 called, was short-lived. We go on to verse 20 and 21, and then we're going to wrap it up here today. Jesus enters a house, and the crowd gathers again so that they were not even able to eat. Now, I don't want to sound negative regarding the, 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 the Lord's work, but the disciples, they found in their calling very quickly. And this is what I want us to understand. Listen, every single one of us here is called today, but let me just tell you that your calling is not always going to be easy. Your calling is not always going to be comfortable, okay? I don't want to sound negative here, but the disciples, they found out real quick, it's hard to even have a meal, with Jesus. Jesus' popularity had grown such that they were continually being bombarded by those who sought him, desiring to receive something from him. The disciples had to learn to deal with such demands and find a way to avoid becoming angry or disgruntled by the crowds that continually gathered or the guys that wanted to get out of the Cold Stone Creamery and they were standing in the way. Now, why do I say this? Why am I bringing this up today? Folks, I want us to understand something. Serving the Lord is not always easy. And it can be quite demanding at times. And we also have to learn to deal with the expectations of others and the constant distractions. We must stay close to the Lord for strength and for compassion. I don't ever, ever again in my life ever want to develop a negative attitude about serving the Lord 
in his church. I got to be honest with you, at times it has been very difficult, and there, there have been times, as I have shared, that I have almost given up. There was this pastor one time that made this statement in a disgruntled moment. He said, ministry would be much easier if it wasn't for people. You know what this minister failed to realize? People are the focus and the reason for ministry. I have since then more than one occasion asked for repentance for that statement. You see, called to be a disciple means called to love the people that God places in our lives. And they're not always easy to love. But let me just fill you on, in on something real quick. Every time you look in the mirror, every time I look in the mirror, I see somebody that's not always easy to love. You know? And if Jesus doesn't give up on us, we cannot give up on the people that he has placed in our lives. Amen? So verse 21 says, When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said, He's out of his mind. I want to end on this last passage because I want you to grab a hold of. In this section, we've talked about the fact that we are all called. Not one of us is exempt from the calling. I want to let you know that the calling is not always easy either. There are going to be struggles. There are going to be times where you're going to you're going to succeed and there are going to be times when you fail. There are going to be times when you get it right and there are going to be times when you mess up royally outside of Cold Stone Creamery. I'm just going to keep saying that until I feel I'll told. I'm like, it's like my penance today. You know what was the worst thing about that? Can I just speak for a second? It wasn't just the bad attitude I had toward the guy, but I had like, three guys around me that are a part of my discipleship that I spend time with on a weekly basis. And I failed every one of them. Because I got tired. Man, I'm so glad Jesus never got tired. Jesus' own family gave him a hard time. You see, we've already discovered the troubles Jesus endured with the Pharisees, but they weren't the only ones who were skeptical of Jesus' ministry. Even his friends, even his family questioned his motives and actions. Those who knew him well thought he had lost his mind. 
These came in an attempt to reason with him. They came and they said to reason with him and try to convince him to abandon the journey he was pursuing. They wanted to convince Jesus to give up his efforts and to come home. Listen, folks, I want you to understand this today. When God places a calling in your life, when God calls you out, when God instructs you, don't be surprised when others, even those closest to you, fail to understand or appreciate your efforts for the Lord. You see, like the distractions from the crowd, we have to learn to deal with and overcome the negativity, the negative uh, comments, the assumptions that surround us for our service. You see, those who are not following the Lord are serving in a a similar way. Those who are not not experiencing what we're experiencing, those who haven't experienced the calling that we have experienced, those who are not in the midst of what we are in the midst of, they will never understand what you're trying to accomplish. Don't try to make them understand. Trust in the Lord. We cannot allow the distractions or the opinions of others of this world hinder our efforts. The people closest to you aren't always going to understand. The people that you thought were going to be your greatest support may not always be there for you when you are called. They may not support you. But if you trust in the Lord, and as the scripture says, you don't lean on your own understanding, he will give you what you need, take you to where you need to go, and use you to make a difference in the kingdom. That is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And this morning as the team comes up to close us, the Lord has work for every single person in this room today. Jesus called 12 men to serve as disciples. These men came from different backgrounds, various occupations, and unique personalities. Jesus used ordinary men in extraordinary ways. That should challenge, should challenge, should challenge and encourage each and every one of us. You see, this morning, if you're sitting in this room and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have been saved by his grace, there is a place of service for you. And there will be obstacles to overcome. There will be opposition to face but nothing compares to being used of the Lord according to his plan. If you sense the Lord is leading you into an area of service, I encourage you, respond to his call and be submissive in obedience. This morning, finally,
If you have not accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the first calling that he has for your life is to surrender to him, to receive salvation through repentance, forgiveness, and a willingness to follow. It's a free gift. All you have to do is receive it. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? God, I love you so much. And I thank you for this incredible day. Lord, I thank you for the ability to be able to stand up before you and to be able to be your servant and to share your love in your word. Lord, my prayer more than anything today is that whatever it is that each one of us need to hear, that that's what we heard today. And during these next few moments, Lord, my prayer is that we would respond with full obedience. I pray this in your most precious name. And everybody says, amen. Let's all stand.